Are we ready to go? We are live and ready to go. Hello and welcome. Today's episode, we have a wonderful discussion lined up for you. Hello, we'll be hello. discussing humans, AI, all the good things. Now, just a refresher for those who haven't tuned in in a while. The initial idea can be self-fed. However, the exploratory key topic points have to be generated from ChatGPT. Uh, of course, at least a few discussion questions have to be generated from ChatGPT, and we can always go off topic on any interesting conversation points uh, that are not generated from ChatGPT. Now, it's been a while. We've been you know, in and out. Lots of things have been going on. And uh, about shaking all about. Right. We've been traveling, both of us. We've been going different places. We've been exploring different side hustles. And we'll talk about those more further into the podcast, of course. But the idea is that we're back. I'm glad to be back. It's been a while. Of course, we have our coffee. Normally, we do these in the middle of the day. How does it feel to be doing it in the middle of the night instead? I'm excited. The coffee is kicking in, and we are going to be having a blast. Okay, good. Well, the first thing we have for today, it's been a while, so I just want to get kind of back into the groove of things, is still related to ChatGPT, then we'll kind of go off topic a little bit, I guess, is uh, jobs from ChatGPT. You know, it's been a little bit more seasoned. Um, people have been using it more for their jobs than before. And since our initial uh, discussion of this back in January and beginning of February, a lot more jobs have been created due to ChatGPT and a lot more are being created and using AI, artificial intelligence. Now, and not, go ahead. Not only that, but there are people who currently have jobs and are using ChatGPT and integrating it successfully into their right. work and into their proofreading, etc. Right, exactly. We've discussed all of that before, but it's good to kind of recap and get started back onto it. Now, one thing I wanted to kind of bring up here that's a little bit different is that there's a difference between artificial intelligence and machine learning algorithms. Machine learning algorithms have been around for decades, centuries. I'm making that up, but they've been around for a very, They're very long time. Technology They're exactly. So related to computers and, and infrastructure, machine learning is the backbone of most large algorithms out there, you know, f take, for example, algorithms that do facial recognition, that's machine learning in, in the simplest forms. It takes your face and then based on your facial details, it determines whether someone else is you or not. Or indeed the YouTube algorithm, which if you're, this is the first time you're watching this and on YouTube, thank you algorithm, because that is the very reason through which, uh, uh, for which you're watching this show. Exactly. So having a machine learning and differentiating it from artificial intelligence is something that I wanted to kind of touch on. Now, it is a very broad topic, but AI, you know, from my perspective, from what I've seen and interacted from, it relies heavily <coughs> on a backbone of data and then takes that data and extrapolates it into different forms. So from... From what I've seen, machine learning is more just a singular output. You know, you can have an algorithm that generates, you know, pictures of the sunset, for example. But machine learning is very basic. It will take previous background images and kind of use those to generate further, further pictures. 
But AI, on the other hand, will take those images and completely start over from scratch. It will make new images that have never before been created based on your your prompts, your text prompts, or your speech prompts, and using the data that it has. So a little bit different from machine learning, but still, I think the basis is very similar. So it's very important to when you're talking about chat GPT, you have to remember you're not referring necessarily to machine learning. You're referring to an advanced intelligent uh, algorithm that has been developed based off of machine learning, but taking it a step further. There is one caveat to that in that in machine learning, there's the concept where bad data produces bad results, where by if the data which you are feeding into the machine is faulty, you're going to be getting a bad outcome, which would not necessarily be accurate and would not be achieving the goals you have set. Now, in artificial intelligence, one of the problems which many people have with uh, the models which are being created, the, the, the data which you are feeding into the algorithm fundamentally leads to uh, the outcome. And if that data is bad, then you do not get the best results. So you're saying that for artificial intelligence, the outcome is based strictly off of the prompt you provided, as opposed to the resources that the prompt has. Not behind just it. not just the prompts, also the resources behind it. If the only resources which uh, let, let let's just take Reddit for example, okay? Let's say you made an AI purely based on Reddit posts. Now, or uh, in Reddit, it's very, especially in some forums, it's very acceptable to uh, completely, you know make fun of other people and to, you know, give them some good old-fashioned internet talk and trolling. Now, if the AI then takes that and then says, okay, this is acceptable form, an acceptable form of discourse, then that is what it's going to be using in order to create its responses. It's a bit like a, I guess, a maladaptive child in that way. So you have to fully consider all the ramifications of every part of it. Right. I totally agree. And I guess that's really the basis of our discussion regarding these jobs that were created and that people have to differentiate whether they're using a machine learning algorithm and AI. So I know that both of those topics have behind it the ability to be correct versus the ability to be incorrect based on the prompts, but also the machine data that it has behind it. And I think one of the unique things that ChatGPT is allowing is that people can provide it with data and information, and that data and information that's provided will be implemented potentially in future releases of the AI program, the Open AI, uh, uh, the Open AI program related to uh, ChatGPT and other, you know, they have voice and they have image prompts and things of that nature. So utilizing these services allows the AI model to kind of grow from a large spread of people providing to it as opposed to a normal prompt, uh, a normal a machine learning algorithm is fed very specific data types that are less, I guess, less broad and less interactive than what this is allowing. Another aspect of machine learning which does not apply to AI is with machine learning, you come up with a weighting for the various data types. So if you are to come up with a model to, um, okay, let's just say figure out which bike is the best, you know, based on, you know, cost efficiency, you're going to assign a certain weight to price, a certain weight to uh, customer reviews, a certain percentage weight to the material type and various other um, 
variables. And you're going to use that in order to generate the response. Now, with an AI algorithm, you are not using the weightings because you're expecting the AI to figure out what is the most appropriate weighting based on your situation. That makes sense. But overall, you know, it's really just dependent on the, the functionality that you're trying to receive from it. You know, while the weighting is based on the history of backing, there's also, I guess, a, a certain level of expectancy of the developers and the contributors to be providing the correct data and information in order for the entire community to benefit from it. Now, the main, I guess, the main use of these AI models, whether it's chat GPT or machine learning, you know, in my opinion, are really targeting very similar demographics. You know, machine learning is available to developers who want to utilize the API for certain aspects. Uh, data analysis, AI trainers, cybersecurity professionals, all these different jobs that are created or that are already created and utilize machine learning algorithms on a daily basis. You know, I don't think that that's unique in any way. But what I can see is that the AI model is opening up the door for other professions such as education. We've seen a lot of that over the last few months, a lot of education for. Uh, perspectives a lot of uh, educators have come out and openly expressed either their extreme agreement or their extreme disappointment it's really just a two-way street at that point yeah, and, and nobody's in the middle with that they're either really happy with it or really really disappointed but but it, it, even so like the whole concept for example of a personal assistant which is something which people even today many people are paying serious amount of money for to have a personal assistant in order to improve their productivity it is no longer required because considering how many how much functionality your phone has and also even chat gpt you could let's say you want to learn python right you do not know anything about python and you have a project and you need to know learn python you just feed into the chat gpt prompts i know nothing about python but have a reasonable computing background create for me a detailed plan in which i could learn in 30 days by learning one for one hour a day python and then it will give you a very detailed plan you follow it and bob's your uncle you know python so there is a lot of to be gained educationally from uh, these tools. It's just a question of how are you using it? Right. And I think it's also going to open up a large spread of people who are utilizing the interwebs and AI platforms to learn more. However, take that may also reduce their productivity in a school environment as well. So you might find that over the next 10 years or so, you'll have a lot more people who are not going into school. You've already started to see that. You have a lot more people that are taking certificates and uh, doing physical uh, you know, manual labor, such as plumbing or carpentry. They're going back to the trade schools uh, as opposed to going to college to get a four-year degree. But at the same time, you're it, also having people is, who are is trying that really to be educated a, a as well. Or is that just a regression towards me? Because historically, it was only a small percentage of people who actually went to college. The fact that some people have recently went is an exception to the rule. Correct. It's been very affordable and very available for a lot of people. However, I think the background and the the jobs that were created and geared specifically towards people who had such and such degree, I think that's going to become a lot less of a requirement overall, especially in the job field and the job functionalities, because a lot of this information you can learn freely, and as long as you're proficient in it, then you can you know move forward. You know, for example, you can use the AI to basically create for you a full college curriculum, and then use the AI to follow said college curriculum that it creates for you. You know that's how powerful it is. You can it's, just it's simply 
You could but, simply tell the thing that it wants to, you want to become a doctor, and it'll tell you all the different steps you need to become a doctor. Then you can break each of those steps down on your own and say, okay, I need to do this. I need to do that. How do I do this? Show me pictures. Give me links, resources, etc." It's pretty and, insane. And keep in mind with GPT-4, uh, I've never played around with it, but from what I understand, you can basically use the AI, API to connect it to all kinds of different platforms. So if you, once you know your speci- uh, specific kind of requirements and desires, you can connect it to these different websites and the AI can learn even more because it's then connected to the internet and available to browse these different places. You can get the resources, the information and knowledge specifically from the same sources the schools are directing their students to simply because you're connecting it directly to the AI platform and using the AI more of like a teacher as well as a resource guide altogether in one. You know, teachers aren't, you know, totally proficient in all the resources and other way around all the resources are not totally proficient with all the teachers that are teaching the topics well what's also pretty interesting is we are seeing effectively a deurbanization that is occurring as a result of chat not not it's not just uh, chat gpt and ai it's uh, it's many it's many uh, many factors but we people because of work from home and because of the fact that people are no longer as interested in getting a corporate job and a college degree and are per- perfectly happy to become plumbers and electricians and it's no longer looked down upon and seen as something which is a bad career choice. People are no longer choosing to live in big cities because the attractions that big city used to offer and used to be seen as, wow, this is something pretty incredible. It's no longer, it, it, it's not, it no longer has quite the same draw. And we're seeing a balance, uh, which it's about time it addresses itself and leading to a better form of living where p- people are not designed to be living a million to a square mile. And it's, it's not good for people, and yeah, that's... Well, with that point in mind, you know, making sure that you're getting your job requirements within a, a, a specific area that you like to be in, you know, while you're while you're correct, people do like to stay within, you know, a short amount of space. People don't like to move. The nature of humans is to not really have much change at all. I think we've talked about that in the past. You know, not having much change is a very important... Um, it's a very important uh, thing that uh, you know people are able to transition into different, I guess, different locations. Whenever you have, whenever you have people who don't want to move, it allows stability in the environment. That's what I'm trying to say. It doesn't allow the environment to change or fluctuate, and it allows people who are visiting to come back and see the exact same thing again without much without much disruption, and. Another, I think another important uh, factor when it comes to the, the job market in, in your area is to make sure that you're creating your own business. You know, having a local productivity and local business practices that are, you know, within intercommunal, intercommunal within your local, I guess, square, square mile or 10 square miles or even 50 square miles, having business practices that you're you know, talking with that you're connecting with and also creating on your own, I think it'd be a very, uh, a very big uh, help to kind of mitigate the factors of, you know, remote work and the job uh, productivity goals that you're bringing up. You know, we've talked in the past that remote work has started to become a very big thing. Um, but keep in mind that even though remote work is becoming a big thing and a lot of people are... It's seeing a lot of pushback. It's not... It remains right. to be seen exactly how big it's going to be and how things would actually work out. We don't yet know how the chips are going to fall. 
Right. So that that's right. There's a lot of pushback that's being done with with remote work. A lot of companies are, you know, they're feeling the side effects of it, you know, whatever those may be. Each company specific to my, my, my personal theories is down to mismanagement in the sense that the way you manage people in office is that you you, you say, okay, here are your hours, and the work will naturally come. Now, when it comes to remote work, what has to happen is the work has to be goal-based, meaning over the, over the course of the next 24 hours of the workday, these are the eight things which you are expected to accomplish or these are the four things you're, which you're expected to accomplish. And that should that and it should be a metric-based workplace rather than an hours-based workplace. And that that's part of the that's issue. That's work-based by work-based. You know, it really depends on the, like you said, the management, but also the person itself. Remote work is not going to be meant for everyone with that in mind. But I think a, a large um, a, a large goal that a lot of people can have is to start some kind of side hustle. I think that will help a lot with re- inter- especially in terms of teaching people how to like make their own goals and stick with them and reach them. You know, starting their own small little niche business doesn't have to be big. Doesn't have to make millions of dollars. You can make hundreds of dollars. It's just more about keeping you interactive physically, mentally, <coughs> and locally all together. You know. Some of the key things and aspects regarding side hustles, you know, it it takes a lot of the challenges of working a full-time job away because when you're working a side hustle, you're concentrating on what you want to do in a lot of cases. It doesn't have to be whatever makes money. It's what you would like to do. Some people like to paint. Some people like to, you know, do paint, uh, physical painting. Some people like to make pictures, that kind of stuff. So whatever you enjoy most, you can turn that into a side hustle. You can and who knows? Small Sometimes these things grow and sometimes exactly. Sometimes they make money. Sometimes they make bank. Sometimes they don't. But the, the whole point is not necessarily to make money. The whole point is to enjoy what you're doing and have like a hobby almost, but also turn it into a, a potentially profitable business if done correctly. You know, some people they're able to sell their paintings even if they only sell them for five dollars. You know, that that's a lot. Of, it's a lot of money for some people, and a lot of people don't even get anything for their paintings. They just have hundreds of paintings sitting around the house, and they that's don't. That's then it's not the side hustle. Side hustle. That's just a hobby. That's a hobby. But I'm saying, turn that hobby into a side hustle in some way. It doesn't have to be very big. It can be very small. For example, you can mow your neighbor's lawn. If you think, if you do the math on that, that's three hours a day. If you have two neighbors or even three or four neighbors in some cases, and you mow each of their lawns, that might take an hour for each lawn to make sure it's done right. That's one hour per day you could be doing, and you can charge them twenty five bucks a week. That kind of ties can, into the whole compound interest thing, right? Just a little bit goes a long way at the end of the day. Yeah, you know, making sure that you contribute to the different small pieces of your life and focusing on one thing. Also, I think, I think we mentioned this in the past, not taking on too much. I think a lot of people have reach the point you know I, sometimes i, I guilty get as charged <laughs> exactly you know taking on way too many things at once but and then whether you get over burnt out or not it's a different story that's not even related to this conversation but taking on way too many things and you know having you you won't see the fruits of your labor when you have 15 things you can only work on how many of them at a time per day let's say you work on all 15 of your projects every single day that's one of the things which come with being an adult is you need to learn Right. That saying no is more powerful than saying yes because initially you're just saying yes to every single opportunity which comes your way. Then you realize your way of extending yourself and then you have to say no. Right. That's what happens when it turns into debt. You know, people, they borrow too much. You know, they're 18 and they have a car loan of $50,000. They've got 20000 in credit card debt. They might have a mortgage too. You know, this is what happens when, you're, when you turn 18 and you have the freedom. Here's the solution. Do not buy a car. Uh, except only paying cash, do not go into debt. And if you have any credit cards, perform a plastectomy and uh, live on cash. 
it's it's you know pretty complex i know but it works especially when you're 18 and you have no money that's exactly what you need to do at the end of the day you need to save up money regardless of how you spend the money whether you use a credit card or not to spend money that that's not even the same conversation it's more just like don't buy things that you can't afford that's the that's the basis if you don't have the money to pay for it it shouldn't be bought even if you buy it if you even if you were to take out a loan at the end of the day as long as you have 400 million dollars in the bank okay it's no problem. You could pay it off tomorrow, even if something goes wild. I, I do wonder how did it come to this? Because if you look at society today, everyone is so overextended on loans. How how did we get here? Well, the loans themselves they stimulate the growth in the economy overall. So by giving people more access to cash, the economy and the environment is allowed to grow at an exponential rate that it otherwise would not have been able to. However, that also comes with the drawback of people who are not able to successfully manage themselves also have access to that same funding that other people do. So when you have the successful people having the funding, you also have the people who are not able to manage their finances also have access to that funding because they have the same guidelines in place for those people. Now, you can't weed out those people. It's just not possible. But that's exactly what happens. When you have an influx of capital that's able to be borrowed, you're able to grow your economy much more effectively and much more quickly than if you didn't have any money at all. Granted, but at the same time, the extent to which... Societies have extended itself at this point is a bit ridiculous. Overextending, I I would say that that's a, a a little bit of a stretch. You know, when you have something like large governmental loans that are being provided, you know, is it really overextending if they're able to be paid back? Or mm, we're, we're we're a bit too close to the fault for my liking. So the, yes, we are overextending. Teach their own. Everyone has you know, you you're not in charge of the governmental funding. Shame, yes. because you know what I'll do if I was in charge? I'll be tearing up the checkbook. <laughs> you wouldn't spend like you're in Congress. No, uh, I'll be probably telling everyone, you're fired. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. Also, it's to each their own, but at the end of the day, having a large influx of capital, regardless of where it comes from, that that's what helps stimulate the economy. So when you have borrowing power and you have an increased availability of borrowing power to society, that definitely helps stimulate the growth of the overall economy, which makes the quality of life for everybody involved much better as well. But it also comes right. with the side effect of some people are not able to handle it. So you have on the other side of the spectrum, you have people who are not able to maintain and manage it. <coughs> um, now, with the side hustles, though, that also avoids a lot of those issues. When you have the side hustle, that might create the extra cash flow you need to provide your your quality of life that you expect, you know, let's say you have a car that costs $300 a month, you know, whether you borrowed it, leased it, whatever the case is, having your side hustle that makes $300 a month, that could easily pay for that. You know, it's just another toy that you have, but let's say you enjoy this toy that you have, you paid a lot of money for that car at the end of the day, you know, providing that little bit of funding that you need just by doing something you enjoy, that can really help out in the long term. And like you said, it's really compound interest because a little bit goes a long way at the end of the day. Now, it also frees you from time. You know, when you have a side hustle, you feel like you're less involved in something that you don't want to be. You know, it frees your time in terms of the the enjoyment. It feels like you're doing a hobby at that point if you really like what you're doing. And so your time overall, you're going to feel less constrained to working and more constrained to, to having a lot of freedom and flexibility that you didn't otherwise have, have before. And, you know, maybe it also allows you to kind of have flexible weekends and evenings. Have you found anything? I know you've done a couple of side hustles, you know, in the last couple of years. Yeah, I have a side business. So that's... 
So what have you found that uh, it's can kind of contributed towards in, uh, in, life in, bills, cash? <laughs> um, so it's given you money. It, 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 it's money. It's it's a lot of skills because my eventual goal is to be owning my own business or my own startup, etc. And I f- what I found with the side hustle is it gives me a lot of these skills in terms of there are many hurdles which one faces when they are starting a business and figuring out how to run a business successfully. And by doing it with a side hustle and, and having the knowledge that I have a nine to five and have the uh, the safety of knowing that I have the paycheck coming in at the end of every week, I could be more bold with my decision making. And uh, it gives it gives a more leeway to fail, and b it gives it more of a learning opportunity whereby you're able to understand what are the hurdles which you have to overcome in order to successfully manage this business, and then it's something which would definitely be applied in the future. I th- I think you touched on a key point at the beginning regarding you know your your nine to five. You want to make sure that your nine to five is not taking over uh, the side hustle time, and vice versa. You want to make sure that your nine to five is not being drowned out by your uh, your side hustle is not being drowned out by your nine to five working. You know, make sure that your employer knows you have to leave at a certain time. You have other obligations you have to meet. There's no reason for you to stay extra and to overcompensate on your on your time job, your salary job, unless it's a requirement of that position. And you need to set those clear boundaries. You know, that's something we've discussed in the past regarding your your work and life balance. Um, in one of our previous episodes, you have to set work and life balance. You have to set your uh, responsibilities for your home and your and your work separately you have to make those boundaries clear from the get-go and if you don't what's going to happen you're going to find yourself working while you're in the bathroom at home you know trying to in trying to t- trying to enjoy life and you know you're having a steak and all of a sudden you got to take three work calls in the middle of the evening and it's just going to completely destroy your day so making sure that you communicate that side hustle and those and that with your with your employer and making sure that you're separating. They don't even have to know you're doing a side hustle. Just my my sure employer does not know. I mean, they they never asked, and it, if they did right. ask, I would you know be comfortable saying. And there's a chance that just by chance they're going to find out one day. But ultimately, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Right? At the end of the day, it doesn't matter what they what you do. At the end, you just have to make sure that you're differentiating. In your mind, you have to differentiate the time and the and the location and the space from from each other. You know that's something that I've seen a lot of people do. Go to go to a different space. That way, you can mentally separate each of your um, each of your life uh, life situations. You know, for example, a lot of people have a have an issue with working physically in their house because they see their kitchen, they see their bathroom, they see their living room and dining room, and they can't concentrate on their work situation. So that's, I guess, you know, going back to a briefly, one benefit of working in, in work is it gives you that separation, that physical separation of not seeing all of those different distractions. That is true. Um, but the great thing about side hustles as well is if you want to eventually create your own startup, or the like, you could build up your side hustle to the point where you could then quit your main job and your nine to five, and then start working on your on your startup, and then you have the knowledge of the fact that your side hustle is going to be generating income, and that would give you the flexibility to create your startup. Exactly, and of course, making sure that you're delegating these resources and tasks that you can't do to other people. You know, when you're a startup, it's very difficult to do so. You might not have the finances, the resources. However, making sure that other people are assisting you as much as possible can also make you feel less bogged down with your time and, and, and making you feel more free together with everything in, that's going on. You, know, you have your nine to five, you have your work-life balance, as well as your side hustle, making sure that those are all separate in some aspect, but then also delegating 
those side hustle tasks to somebody once you're able to afford it, you know, that can also help out, you know, whether it's taking on a partner as well, that can also, that's an idea. I think a lot of people who are starting a side hustle don't necessarily realize is they can have multiple people starting up that company together, get somebody who's passionate about the, the project that or is able to hurdles. contribute. Because you need to then have a clearly cut contract, which many people do not think about in the beginning. It's like, oh, let's start the side hustle. Oh, we're going to figure out the money later. The problem is by the time you're figuring out the money, there's really a chunk of a chunk of cash on the table. And when that's the case, people change their views very quickly. That's why it's important if there that right. is a situation to have a contract clearly delineating how much is each person going to be getting and what are the responsibilities of each party. Right. And so making sure that everybody has an agreement from the get-go of the of the different responsibilities, that's obviously a factor you want to take into consideration. But still, I think the idea is there. A lot of people don't realize or even think about having a second or third person available. You know, when you start something, let's say it's you know painting, like we just talked about. You know, you're probably part of a painting club at that point. You might have multiple friends who do painting as well. You might be the lone person in your neighborhood who does painting, but you can always find somebody at least. You know, whether it's remotely or uh, even locally, especially locally, that would be very important for such a business. Finding somebody who's also just as passionate with that, that type of uh, work that you're trying to provide, um, you can use th their resources and they can kind of use your resources. Even without a contract, you can kind of work together to kind of to provide that side hustle um, you know, just taking that painting example further, you don't necessarily have to have a contract. You don't have to work together necessarily. But let's say you set aside Wednesday nights to go paint with the same person. You have two people in a room. You're communicating. You're talking. You're giving different ideas. You don't have to have a contract in that case. It's more just like having uh, the ability to communicate with somebody with your same side hustle environment. That would be, a, I think, a really major key that a lot of people can can add to their business. What do you call two painters in a room? I don't know. What do you call two painters in a room? It's two painters. That's it. Yeah, it's definitely an art form waiting to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Very good. Now, we've talked about the different side hustles and prioritizing setting goals. One thing I wanted to touch on you know, before we wrap it up here for the night is... While there's different side hustles available and different jobs, make sure that you pick something that you enjoy. You know, that's something a lot of people are kind of on the fence about. And you don't have to think too hard about it. What it just go through your list of five different things you do, you know, over the course of a month. People have a list of things they normally tackle. And find one thing you enjoy and want to explore more. It doesn't have to be a long-term side hustle. It could be a short-term side hustle. A side hustle is exactly that. It's something that will make a small amount of money over a short period of time. The thing is, people should not get discouraged because you're initially going to start it and you're going to enjoy it. But then there's going to be other miscellaneous things coming to m which come which come about as a result. There's going to be the bookkeeping. There's going to be the marketing. And it's going to be things which are pretty mundane and pretty annoying tasks. And you should not just lose sight of the overall goal as to, to what it is and how you enjoy it. And that's a, that's, a, that's a good point, making sure that you're keeping good records of everything that you're doing and everything that you want to do. You know, when you're starting a business, you're going to find yourself very quickly, if you make money, you need to know exactly where that money goes. Otherwise, you're going to owe a lot of money If you don't know your numbers, you don't know your business. Right. And that's a good point. Overall, I think we've done, you know, we've gone through a lot of different ideas when it comes to um, side hustles. But the main the main thing that I really um, that I really think will be important for a lot of people is figuring out what type of side hustle they want. 
And, you know, going through the list, even if you don't have something that you do, you can always look online for different ideas. You know, Reddit, I know a lot of people go to Reddit to find different ideas. I've seen a lot of posts. I've been browsing a lot of A lot of people just go on Reddit. (laughs) (laughs) The stuff you can find on there is (laughs) interesting. Well, I've been browsing different things like home renovation. I've been browsing, you know, financial topics, um, IT topics, everything like that. You know, I've been, I work in IT right now. And going through the IT topics and seeing different people do startups, a lot of people, I noticed startup MSPs, which is managed service providers, is basically doing other people's IT work for them. A lot of people have been starting that up. Other, a lot of people have been doing, there's a specific subreddit for this. I don't remember the, the slash R right now, but there's a subreddit for people who are doing at-home data centers. That's, apparent, that's a thing. People, people that's spend, genius. People spend hundreds of thousands <laughs> of dollars and they put a data center in their house and you know, at the end of the day, you do the quick math on it, it pays for itself quite quickly because the equipment, even though it's $15,000, let's say, at the end of the day, you're going to spend racks, you're going to spend on, you know, internet provided to the server. As long as you can provide clients to that data center and you can provide reliable connectivity and reliable backups, backups is also a very important key. As long as you can provide reliability and stability and consistency to your clients, then it's very easy to get clients. You know, you start with your location. Of course, that's just a, a side hustle to, that I just came up with. I've been browsing. I don't think I'm interested in starting that necessarily, but it's a great way to get into the data center environment, and it can rapidly go quickly. You'll start with one rack. You'll start with two racks, and this could be your side hustle for several months. It could be side hustle for years. It sounds like very, a very good form of passive income. Once you, set exactly. it up. once you set it up, right. You know, once it's paid for, that's also a key idea. You want to make sure that it's completely paid for before you go any further and buy more equipment because you're going to run into a problem very quickly. You're you're gonna salivate over all of the things. You know, whether you're a mechanic, as you know, you're not a mechanic. I'm not really a mechanic, but a, a mechanic would appreciate, you know, they they look at a good car and they salivate over a specific thing they want. They they and have an eye for quality. Every, every every type of you know profession will salivate over something specific, and IT work is nothing nothing different than that. They you know you find a specific switch or you find a specific. Th- that's the great thing about software. Most of the software I salivate over is open source. If I find if, if I find a new Linux distribution, which is great, hey, I don't need to pay any money for There's it. There's a lot of hardware that's open source too. You can make it yourself. With H- your hardware is never my thing. I'm I'm a software kind of guy. I'm saying for data centers yeah. and things. Obviously, you want reliability. You're making your own hardware for a data centers, not usually yeah something that that's done. I have a cool story for you. So Go on. I, I was watching a video uh, from from uh, Linus Tech Tips a couple of months ago. They did a video on um, OVH in Germany. So OVH is a, a popular data center uh, for you know they have all over the world. They have servers. So a lot of a lot of companies use them. They've become very popular in the last you know probably ten years or so. They did a video touring the OVH data center in Germany, and the bottom line is OVH decided that the best way to condense and put more computers in a room, which is how they make their money, numbers is how they make their money, is to water cool the entire thing. They water cool their entire data center. That works. That, Back to that, front. That's pretty. That, that makes a lot of sense considering the the heat capacity of water and the you know the diffusion. The exactly. So forget the heat capacity. It's 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 compactness uh, because heat fins on computers 
you know, totally off topic here, but heat fins on computers, they take up a lot of space. You need a lot of metal in order to dissipate that heat that's provided. So people use air conditioners, people use heat spreaders. You know, your computer usually contains a heat fin. You look at your back of your laptop, it has a heat spreader on the back. So most computers, most servers, most data centers, they have heat spreaders, they have air conditioners, they have all kinds of things take a lot of power to cool a computer. So OVH decided they're going to scrap all of that. They're going to make everything water-cooled. Crazy water idea. Space data center. That you don't need to worry about cool, cooling. So you wouldn't need to worry about cooling, but somebody tells me you're going to need to worry about heating. Well, if it's induced... Solar. You can do solar. Yeah. But that's the idea. You have to. There's always a compromise, but it, it, that's a great idea. It probably would work. You know, Microsoft does data centers underneath the water. OVH does data centers water cool. Hell, there's soon going to be NASA's going to do data centers in the on the moon. Yeah, because it's only a matter of time before the, the internet truly becomes interplanetary. Especially if we start to colonize Mars, then what's going to end up happening is we're going to have internet on Mars. And we're going to have to be setting up satellites on Mars in order to be able to communicate the internet and build up the internet infrastructure. And then we're going to be having a viable option, which would just be huge data centers on the moon. Just, you know, store the things in minus 200 degrees Celsius and right. you're good. I mean, that reminds me, you know, just a few, about a week ago, SpaceX, they launched their rocket, it blew up, and now the FAA is investigating. It's going to be a while before we get to Mars, but it'll be quicker than we think. But it, you it'll know, be a fun ride. Exactly. <laughs> well, I, I won't the first rocket. <laughs> I won't be on it either. Exactly. But as I was saying, with OVH data center, they yeah. were water cooling the whole thing. They did a whole nine yards. Just, but think about the logistics of doing some, something like that. Every piece of equipment has to be custom made. You have your servers. You have your server racks. You know different sizes, of course, because of the fact you're water cooling. But at the end of the day, you have to now create your own brackets and your own. Um, your own PCBs, your own boards to plug different uh, sockets in simply because you're using proprietary uh, uh, things. It's <coughs> never before been created. It's not something that these open, co these large companies provide you. So they had to make their own thing. So there's a whole video detailing, you know, how they made their water cooling blocks for everything. How they can squish so many GPUs into like one server, like 15 GPUs or something like that into one server. And, you know, they saved a lot of space and a lot of money and a lot of time because they're able to condense so many more things into one server than they were before because of the amount of space that heat spreaders and things take up. So just very cool, something very interesting that I was watching, you know, in terms of technology. But I think, you know, having going through Reddit, starting up and, you know, exploring the different topics, you can go to, you know, any type of uh, uh, slash R that you can find that a lot of times you'll find something that somebody came up with, you know, that nobody's going to take action on. And even if they do, you can, it, a lot of these different ideas that are, that are given, they're, they're more local than not. They're, they're the perfect thing for somebody who's trying to do like a, a small, uh, a small self uh, side hustle, uh, just trying to make a little bit of money on the side, you know, going through Reddit, browsing your favorite topics and, you know, making sure that you're, not spending more money than you than you can. You know, for example, that data center, ten, fifteen thousand dollars you could easily spend to put a giant box in your basement. Not needed. Doesn't make a lot of money right off the bat. So start small. Obviously, with any side hustle, you have to start small. You can't start big. Otherwise it'd be a startup as opposed to a side hustle. Well and at least initially. That's what, but that's what I'm saying. If you yeah. if you dump two million dollars into a project, it's a it's a startup. It's not a side hustle anymore. Fair enough. You know, but you want to make sure that you're starting small, you're you're growing your business slowly, and you're not taking on more work than you can. But once you take on as much work as you can, 
definitely look into to making it your full-time job, making sure that it makes money, that the numbers make sense, and 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 outsourcing to the to the right people at the right time. You don't want to find yourself in a position where you're the limiting factor <clears throat> of your side hustle and not the side hustle is the limiting factor of you. But, you know, then just a couple of things to mull over. You know, hopefully, uh, you know, lots of people will get started on side hustles. I know we're working on something um, over the next little bit. Maybe we'll have some news the next time we make a podcast yeah it might, it might be a topic for a podcast discussion but that remains to be seen in terms i think of it'll be by the time we finish our hot side hustle and it gets off the ground it'll be a full podcast uh, fair enough we can we can give lots of details and input on it it'll be a very fun project yeah but with that out of the way you know we've gone through a lot of things please feel free to leave some comments and suggestions on uh, what we should do next for our following episodes so we look forward to hearing from everyone um, thank you for listening to the Brune Awakenings. We hope you enjoyed this episode and found it very informative. Thank you very much, guys. And if, like I said, if you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. Don't forget to subscribe just to stay up to date on many future episodes. See Until next time.